Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. And in this week's episode, we look at Jesus' first recorded miracle in John, which is the wedding at Cana. And this is a really special episode for us because we've evolved and grown with our understanding of the Bible and Scripture. And I believe that this is our best understanding of this story yet because we do so and we look at it through the eyes of the Old Testament. So we lay out the foundation of what the Jews would have known up until this point and what they would have been looking towards from the life of Jesus. And it really helps us understand a lot about this section. And most importantly, this is the number one referenced scripture for should Christians be able to drink alcohol? And what we found and what we hope you'll find is that that question is very secondary to the primary meaning of this text in a much larger picture, this small story fits. One thing that we naturally do as Christians is we form presuppositions and then we go to the word and try to find scriptures, handpick them to support our opinions that we've already formed. And what we want to do tonight is to go to the word of God, let the Holy Spirit illuminate what the scriptures actually mean, and then transform our minds according to the scripture. And before we do that, we have a special guest that is going to pray over the night, my two-year-old daughter comes down and gives us all hugs before she goes to bed and we record our episode and she wanted to pray a very deep prayer over our episode so we hope you enjoy and we will see you guys next week So we are sitting down in our second week of John. Woo! And I was expecting somebody to fill the blank there. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> and we are going to be working through um, primarily the wedding at Cana today. So that is where we're sitting. So before we jump into the next part and and you know wade through that, let's talk about what we summarized last week. So the prologue, Joe. You want to give us a couple facts about the prologue? A couple. Tidbits, uh, couple yeah, snappy I bits. mean, little couple of things are is that uh, he's clearly trying to draw imagery from Genesis mm-hmm. and all the words that he uses, and he carries that through the first couple chapters, uh, actually. And he's writing this gospel, which is very different than the other three synoptic gospels. So he's writing to a different audience, and he's fighting the rising uh, idea of Gnosticism which comes from a very like Greek and Platonic thought that the spirit uh, the spirit is better than the spiritual things are better than the earthly things and mm-hmm. the big question came about is, is Jesus God or man mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, both. both and mm-hmm. so it's a very it's a very Greek way of thinking that something has to be either or and not Hebrew way of thinking where it can be both and mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of what John is writing this gospel against. Yes, and the, and the poetic format of the first few verses do stumble you if you're trying to read it in a narrative sense. If you just read through John 1 and you're in the first 18 verses, it doesn't read well. Like it doesn't read and make much sense. And then you could just take it as, I'm not going to fully understand it. I'll just take what I can. Or you could look at it as like the original intention of the author. And he wrote it in 
in patterns, right? He wrote it in two groups of three, and it is um, the light, bearing witness to the light, and the incarnation, and then people reject the, the light. So you have light, witness, rejection, light, witness, rejection. You have it twice. And that's not just you know, a catchy phrase that is foreshadowing the rest of the book. So it is, it is seeing this as as a creation Mm. story. It does change the rest of the book. It does. And so we're now getting to the more narrative aspects. We're moving away from poetry today and moving into the narrative aspects of the stories and looking at what this as a book is revealing about God. And like Joe said, focuses a lot on on Jesus fully God fully man and a lot of really in, intense theologies that you can pull out of this and you can also read this as a new believer and get amazing truth out of it without all mm-hmm. this background right so the, the yeah, Bible absolutely. really is um, amazing in that way where I've, I've read this multiple times without some of this information we have now and I I was like John's awesome you know and, yeah and learned about God that way but the deeper you dig the more you get yeah it's yeah. my favorite of the gospels is it yeah Right. I don't know why, really. I'm, I like whatever I'm currently in, so it's hard. That's I'm true, biased. too, but I think, yeah, and then I always say that I'm being objective, but like, I think, I really do think I, John is my favorite. Mark's definitely not. No? Is that because I taught it through it last? No, no. I ruined it? <laughs> no, it's just, it's, just, it's just very to the point and concise, which some people may like that, because they're like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't need to, but like, I do like the literary aspects of it and the mm-hmm. connections and like, Matthew and, and, and John and Luke, and they provide that, but John is like just... So much more. I like the symbolism and the connections. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he wrote Revelation, so yeah. it's obviously very uh, imagery based. Yeah, I like that. Mark skips. Doesn't Mark skip the the birth of Christ? Yeah, it's Matthew and Luke. Yeah, I like that because I'm just and uh, every mean, well, every year I'm like taught through that yeah. the birth of Christ. You know, like two or three times around Christmas time. And it's like nice to not be taught, you know, when I'm studying something. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's why I like Mark. Yeah, but so does John. Yeah, I know, I oh, know. Okay. But I'm saying of the other three, <laughs> I'm just I, I, would choose, I would choose Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so while we are moving forward, and guys, tonight, I mean, our, our our format of this is we're just starting with scripture and seeing where it goes. So we've mm-hmm. we've done a lot of prep. We're, we've prayed over certain things. Um, like I've done more. When I'm praying, I'm I'm um, when I'm reading this and getting ready for the podcast, like I'm more thinking of okay, trying to understand as a whole. Joe does a lot of like the, the historical and cultural surrounding of it, and like the, the literary format. Um, and then what I try to do is in my mind be prepared to talk about how to apply it and how mm-hmm. do we bring this to today. And so we all kind of all and and Gold just fills in all the blanks. I just react to what you guys just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then our conversation is just kind of giving and taking and trying to complete the picture together, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I because without the application, it's just a book. Yeah. So the application exactly. is massive. Yeah. Yeah. And we all do each one, but it's just that's where the focus is and where the, the skill sets complement each other. So um one thing I do think is important for tonight, just as a preface though, we've talked about in the past secondary and primary issues in the Bible. And how when we talked about reading the Bible and when um one of our guests was on that talked about how to read the Bible best and not misinterpret scripture, um, she was uh, you know, a lot of the points that we brought up were a lot of the context around scripture tells us what's primary and what's secondary. Is is your body is a temple in Hebrews about tattoos or is it about Christ being dwelling us now? You know, and and I think the what's the Bible project saying? The Bible's unified story that points, points to Jesus. To Jesus yeah. I think that's so 
important when you're reading through these stories where we're going to get to the wedding at Cana and the wedding at Cana could easily be a theological clobber statement about alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And it normally is. And honestly, has been a, a, a scripture we've referenced when we've talked about alcohol, when the primary purpose of that is not to make a theology on alcohol. Mm -hmm. And tonight we're trying to get to the primary purpose. We may get to secondary, but I think it's good to look through the scriptures of like, okay, what does this reveal about Jesus? What does this reveal about God? What do we learn about his character rather than that? Can I take shots at a local pub? Right. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's what I think we're going to get to tonight. And for yeah, all I mean, scriptures. that's because if you read, if you read through, if you read through the wedding of Cana and your first thing is, did Jesus get everybody drunk or not? Then you missed the whole, you missed the whole entire point of the story. Mm. Um, and you're reading what you want into the story. Correct. Yeah. And it really should be the other way around because the more you read the Bible, the more it reads you. So like it, if mm. you're just, if you're just looking at where you can, then you might as well not even read it. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's kind of fill in the blanks in between the water into wine and where we left off. So we left off on verse 18 and that leaves a little bit of ground. And, and in between those two things, you get John the Baptist meeting mm -hmm. Jesus and proclaiming him, seeing the dove descend from heaven and the Holy Spirit. Um, we get the first disciples, right, which I think is, is a pretty cool interaction between um, with Philip and Nathaniel. Um, and we see um, Simon. Um, and what do you think is unique about Philip and Nathaniel and how they're, how they're called? I mean... I, what, I, what I think of when I when I read this again, it's I don't know if this is a bad thing, but I, I can't unsee the chosen now when I when I see this because yeah, this yeah. this didn't have that much impact for me when what so the the scripture in verse forty eight on um, Nathaniel says how do you know me um, and Jesus answered him and said to him uh, before Philip called you uh, when you were under the fig tree I saw you um, Nathaniel answered and said to him Rabbi you are the son of God. And then he says, because I said to you, I saw you under the tree, you believe me, you will see more than these. Um, you are greater things than these. And so like that, that if you think about in the, the chosen context, if you've seen that episode, like he was threatening suicide, he, he was contemplating suicide under a tree, right? And he was cursing God for being kicked out of being the temple architect, right? Or the, yeah. no longer. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus said that, it was like, I saw you in your darkest, deepest moment when you were contemplating dying. And I saw you. And like that, that, that hit me <clears throat> when I was reading, mm -hmm. when I was watching that. And I know that's context that's not provided here, mm -hmm. but it's, it fits so well that I just want to, yeah, I want to believe it, it's there. It could be that. It could be lesser than that. It could be more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could be mm -hmm. even more dramatic than that, which seems hard to believe, but we don't know. We don't like know. I want to know what he saw him doing. What yeah. was the context? Mm -hmm. yeah. Was it, was it just a normal day? And he's like, I saw you. In the, like, mm -hmm. But why would his reaction be this so strong? Mm. It was like, I saw you into the fig tree and his reaction is you're the son of God. Yeah. You know, that that means he must have been in a certain place where that was only something God would know. Yeah. I yeah. think that I think the next line too where you stop it says uh at fifty one and then he says it said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And when he says that uh, the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, uh, he's referencing uh, Jacob's ladder. Yeah, Genesis. When the when the <laughs> angels are ascending and descending and uh He's basically, essentially, when you read that story, when you read this, he's essentially calling himself the gate to heaven. Okay. Um, so I think that's a cool part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so if we're looking at, at how Jesus met um, Nathaniel, right? He's, yeah, Nathaniel, mm -hmm. and how he encountered him. 
you know, if we're looking at how Jesus calls us today and he calls us into his presence today, uh, it's that realization that I see you in your low moments. And, and I believe there has to be more to the word saw there, you know, like, it's not just, I'm a, it's not just like I physically saw you, but like, I was aware of you. I'm aware of your being. I'm aware of oh, yeah, everything so, about you. Yeah. You know, and, and that realization that even, you know, you come to church and you clean everything up and you're not a believer yet, you know, and you're just mm-hmm. there because you, and then you, you stand before God and you're like collared shirt and you're nice pressed jeans or whatever. And, and you're, and then Jesus is like, no, I, I saw you. Mm-hmm. Like I saw I you before you came in. I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I would imagine it has a double meaning behind it because all a lot of Hebrew verbs do. Yeah. Like to remember somebody is to act on their behalf. Um, yeah, be interesting to hear to somebody is to it's obey to them and to listen to them. So it's like, I'm sure Saul has more meaning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like a, a simple physical one, but that is just an inference. So I'd have to double check that. But I do think it is indicative of how Christ sees us. You know, he doesn't see us when we present ourselves. He sees us all the time. You yeah. know, and he's willing mm-hmm. to, you know, he's being there for him. So that leads us up to turning water into wine. Yeah. Do you want to just read it? Do you want to read it? I would love to. What? Unless. It's not that. I don't think it's that one. No. Cole, I subjected Cole to read the whole thing last week. Do you want to do it this week? Who, me? This is a lot shorter, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to read this week? Oh, I just asked you, but yeah, sure, I'll read it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, you want to read it? And I just like, redirected. I asked cool last I thought time. you Do meant you like you it? as in us. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. I just changed the pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples great, man. Keep it up. were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill their water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, and then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. That's exciting stuff, man. Yeah. yeah the Chosen really did a nice job. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so I think the, the key verse that we're, that we're kind of flush out now that gives this a different that establishes the primary meaning of this passage is verse 11. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee mm-hmm. and it manifested his glory and the mm-hmm. disciples believed in him. Yeah. So that establishes, like it, it itself establishes the primary purpose of this passage, correct? Yes. Like this, is, this isn't a sign um, that is going to tell us about how we should imbibe alcohol in the future or we shouldn't or what percentage or what's drink, drinking and driving or should you be a DD for somebody else at a bar or, you know, if your friends are drinking, should you even be around them? That's not right. what this passage is. It's, it's supposed to be a sign um, that Jesus did, the very first sign, um, mm-hmm. the beginning of it. So what is the, the the question would be that I would have following this is, okay, why is this the first one? Like, what is the, what is the significance of this being the very first sign? And why would they instantly believe? 
Why just this one? Mm. Yeah. Would they believe? Okay. So, so out of all the things you could, like, Jesus is going to walk around. He's going to break bread and like and feed thousands of people. He's raise gonna, people from the dead. Raise people from the dead. And then the yeah. first one is like, yo, I'm going to change that H2O to right. fermented raisins. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. <laughs> However you make alcohol. <laughs> so, so the question is, why is this the first sign? Yeah. What, what's, what's unique about the sign? The unique about the sign is the wedding context. What else is unique about it is the fact that, so as we established that John 1 is really setting up the, the creation story. Mm. And, he's, and he's really arguing here that Jesus and God are separate but one. And Jesus, by, what's uh, John 1, 3, uh, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Mm-hmm. So he's really, I don't, it sounds like I'm downplaying if I say like riffing off of that. But um, so, for example, so this immediately starts off the first link you get, or whatever you want to call it, is on the third day. So, if you it's go a back, creation imagery. It's a crea- mm-hmm. well, it's creation imagery. But if you go back, this is the seventh day. If you go back in John, so day one is is the prologue, right? Day two, you get the next day. John saw Jesus coming toward him. Day three is, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Day four is Philip and Nathaniel. The following day, Jesus went to go to Galilee. And in this, on the third day. So now you're at day seven. So something the th- you're... The third that he is counting, but this is the seventh day from the first one that we've counted. That makes sense. So the fourth day, so he counts four days. Mm-hmm. And then this one, he says, on the third day, meaning four, three days after the fourth day. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're okay. at the seventh day now, so something... Extreme should be happening. Mm. Um, so, again, like if, if, knowing that John like wrote Revelation and that he also wrote this gospel, you know there's so much. You got to read it like you got to read it like ten times and then go back and be like, okay, now what is everything I missed? And look look at everything that's repeated multiple times. Mm-hmm. All, all every number means something, mm-hmm. you know, everything like that. And like the literary aspect of it is is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, why a wedding? Um, so, in, if you go to Isaiah 25, 6 to 7, it says, The Lord of hosts, and he's talking about the messianic age, and he says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all the nations. So, normally... <clears throat> The preparations made in the Gospels um, for the reception of repentant sinners are also are are usually shown by a feast or a marriage, um, and we see that in the parable of the marriage feast in mm-hmm. Matthew twenty-two. So it, this is all people are invited to his salvation, and it's going to be uh, this joyous celebration, and it's a covenant. It's it's really it's been it's from day one. It's been a covenant, which is like a marriage where we're committing to this no matter what. Um, and Israel and we always fail, but he holds his end of the bargain consistently. But then, so you get um, the marriage, the parable of the marriage feast in Matthew. Um, and then you get at the very end of scripture, you get the marriage supper of the lamb. Mm-hmm. So this is why the first one, I think because he's, as we get through the actual miracle of that happens, he's bringing in a new age. It's the opening, like, the messianic age is now here. Okay. That's um, huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So that'd be why it's the first one, right? Correct. It's a, it's a, it's a introduction, we'll say. 
Yeah. As like, it's here. And it happens on the seventh day, that seventh day of rest that they've been aiming for for thousands of years. So like it's it, that's that's why it's not really it's it's dramatic in its symbolism, but not in its in its actual physical manifestation. Like I, I know it, it, it is a miracle, but as as compared to his other miracles, it's one of his weaker ones, in my opinion. Like yeah, I mean compared to healing somebody, healing yeah, somebody, and, things yeah. that you know asking a guy who hasn't walked in thirty years to get up and you know take his mat. Um, right. th- those kinds of things are, in my opinion, if I were to convince a crowd, I'd be, I'd be raising people from the dead and stuff rather than changing water in the wine. It's like right. there's probably some sort of science that could get somewhere close, you know? Yeah, and then – exactly, yeah. So yeah. this is more of a symbolic gesture – not gesture, but the emphasis and the power behind it is in the, sim- the symbolism of, of, of tying it back to mm. – Correct. And Old it's not Testament. just Isaiah. It's Isaiah. It's Joel, which if we have time we'll get into later. It's Amos. It's uh, it, all these people that, uh, that talk about the – the new wine, which would be uh, an aged wine, which would be a joyous time, mm-hmm. would be the time the time of the Messiah. Um, so it was always related to that. But even in Revelation and in his gospel, I, it seems – if I had to guess, it seems like John's favorite Old Testament prophet is Isaiah. Okay. He's got Isaiah scattered through this whole entire, this whole entire gospel, starting with uh, make straight the way of the Lord. Uh, you know, and he's quoting um, – that's what John's saying. It's a mm-hmm. – that's a prophecy of Isaiah 40, a uh, voice crying in the wilderness. Well, that he's makes sense if he's a if, bunch in, a bunch of. Sorry, I mean, no, yeah, it's just, yeah. He quotes Isaiah like fifteen times through his gospel. It makes sense because Isaiah has the most prophecies about Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, direct, directly, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, the the two different, even the God, even the way Isaiah is laid out, the two parts, like chapter one to thirty nine, and then forty to sixty six, and then it, it's two parts where, and in the first part. Isaiah's he's got seven signs as well, mm. um, so he's very influenced by Isaiah. What's well, funny, I, you know, the, is Isaiah fifty three the he was mm-hmm. pierced for our contrition, yeah. yep. crushed for our sins. I, we were at some either a church or something, and, and somebody read that, and Allison who like knew divert the scripture by heart was like, wait, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, like it took her a second to be like, I thought he was like quoting from like you know Matthew or something from Jesus' words. It was like, wow, that's so crazy. That's an Old Testament passage. Yeah. They do that all the time. Like people will go around Israel and say, and, and go up to like a, a a random Jew and say, like, tell me which, tell me what book this is from, and they're like, oh, that's from one of the Gospels, the New Testament. And like, no, this is from Isaiah, and they do it all the time. Like, there's like videos on YouTube of that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, they got my wife as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. So for um, all right, so we get like kind of the emphasis on why this was chosen. As a direct link, why the wedding? Yeah. Why the wedding? Mm-hmm. All right, so we also have why the wine as well, right? Because that was part of the the feast. Correct, yeah. Um, but that I think we should save till the end. Okay. Why the wine? Because why the wine is a huge thing. So do you want to just flush it all out now, though, and then we'll we'll or no? What what why, are we gonna, why the wine? Yeah, flush that out now. Okay. No, we don't have to. So dangle the carrot, man. What well, we can wait till the um, end. Um. Okay. So you will be encountered in thirty minutes. As a- <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could so, – so so in the Hebrew Bible, wine is always used as a symbol of holy joy, which we talked about, right? Isaiah uses it constantly. Um, I can quote some scriptures here. Jeremiah uses it, and they're all ta- – Amos uses it. Uh, Isaiah specifically says new wine and the, and the banquet in the messianic age. Um, so if wine is a symbol of holy joy, then its absence is a symbol of desolation. And then when Mary says they have no more wine, mm. that means something a lot more now. Mm. It that means they've this, lost – the nation is spiritually mm. bankrupt. Mm. Um, so, the so like for example, um, 
this thing, th- there's something in here that I would, I, I'm going to save to the end because I haven't really fully flushed it out yet. Oh, okay. But you thought um, you might in the next 20 minutes though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, no, I will. But, um, so. All right, so while you, yeah. So one thing I thought was cool that, um, and I think it was in Jonah, when we were going through Jonah, that one of the, the examples was about fruit trees and how, um, no, hold on. It's in. Oh, Nahum. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the it talks about the the fruit trees like being yeah. um, dissolved mm-hmm. outside of the mm-hmm. uh, out of Nineveh, and how I, I was reading about why that's so important. I, I just think of fruit trees as like a delicacy back then, like that would be, mm-hmm. um, but that would be the ability to make wine because that's what they were making it from, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's how important it was yeah. to them. And it just kind of puts it in perspective of like when you hear wine today, it's just like, you know, when you hear it in reference, it's usually I had a tough day. It's been a long, I just need a glass yeah. of wine. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is a symbol of vitality mm-hmm. for me and my family. And they like, this isn't, this isn't like some like joyous thing. It's like, I need something to take the edge off my stress. Right. You know, that, and the alcohol it culturally is looked at so much differently, not just because of time, but because of location. Like mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm just going on a rant for a second, but yeah, like, yeah. I, I was talking to a missionary who we're hopefully going to have on soon, who's back from France. And he went there for 40 years and he's home for one. And he was saying, it's just wild that you're, there's any stigma to drinking here. Mm. He's like, every single day from 10 to 2 that you don't work in France. Like, there's no working hours from 10 to 2 mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Yep. And he's like, you eat lunch and you drink a glass of wine. Like He's like, I'm the pastor there and I drink with my elders and we have a glass of wine and we pray together. And he said, it's it's the most normal thing in the world. And it's weird if you don't. It's just a symbol of we have, uh, thank you, God, for the blessing. And it's mm-hmm. like, we've never once got past inebriation. Like, mm-hmm. it's a cultural shock to go back and forth. And, you know, then you look at historically and, and biblically the, the what wine was and how it wasn't. And I know there was different dilutions and like different you know, amount of alcohol and things. We don't go into that, but no, I think just, that's, so, that's just verbal gymnastics to get. Yeah. Up. I mean, just, yeah. either way you drank a lot of it, you were going to have, you yeah. know, you drank mm-hmm. too much of anything. You're going to have side effects. But all, all that to say is it seems like we have it wrong. Like if, if every other country seems to have healthy attitude towards it, I mean, shocking factor. Like I know. America abuses. <laughs> I know. <something. laughs> it's like, so we do It's consume, consume, consume. Yeah. It's just, for a while, it was not that I thought we had it right and no one else did. It was just like, well, maybe they they all like we're all in some shade of right and wrong about it, you yeah. know, the way we're applying it. But it seems like we're the most wrong, and I'm I'm just personally coming to that conclusion, especially through Bible study and just through talking to believers in other countries who yeah. don't necessarily even see a problem with it, you know. Right, and. Especially because the, the amount that he makes seems alarming. But it's for an entire wedding. Yeah, it's for well, one, it's for an entire wedding, and a, a wedding feast back then would would be seven days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're spanning this over a seven day period, which is why when it, when it runs out, it's bigger than it's like oh now the next however many days are ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that especially in the Middle East that was huge because like to come to a wedding you're not you're not Ubering, you're walking hundreds of miles to go or however many miles to go to this friend's wedding. You expect your 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 physical needs to be met. You're, you're drinking yeah. food, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was considered like I don't know how true this isn't scripture or anything. I don't know how true this is, but it was. The, I read a, a scholar said that like it was back then you, you could actually sue for it. 
Really? Uh, because it, it was an expectation that, like, I came here, like, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, still is today. Imagine you go to a wedding and there's no food. No it's food. like, yeah. I don't know if you get sued, but you'd be pretty upset. Yeah, but PO'd. you'd be pretty upset. So imagine imagine having to walk to that wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh it's like, goodness, yeah. at least keep your wedding gift, you know? Right. Um, another thing, back to what you were saying, though, it's like, uh, I think it's also because we look at scripture with a very either or mentality. And it's like, what well, it says in Proverbs, you can't get drunk. So why would Jesus do this? It's like, and as opposed to like a both and, where it's like, yeah, you can't get drunk, but he also created it for like, just like we abuse sex, like every or just like every other thing there is. Like, yeah, it's like the gluttony, but he, we still need food, you know. Yeah. So it's like we we for some reason we look at this one like either or like like discipline needs to be exercised. Correct. And, yeah, and like you know, with with sex, with eating, with drinking too much water or mm-hmm. too little, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need discipline yeah. for every single thing yeah. you do. Um. And there's confines. Like, I, I don't want to, this is like a crass example to use, but like sex has confines, right? Like he gave, you can have this beautiful gift that you have in the confine of marriage. You yeah. Know, because it should be an ex- external example of the internal, internal devotion yeah. to, you know, just the way I love and devoted to, it, you know, Israel and the church. Um, anyway, so that was my only, as, as, we're, as we're talking and going through this, it's, it's undeniable that it's wine, right? From the wine skins to the, the head of the feast saying, like, this is good wine. Yeah, and, and, and when he meant good wine, it's like the good aged wine. It's wine. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Not, it wasn't good apple juice. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, I, I know Jesus wasn't a bartender, right? That's like the phrase. And that's not just, you know, what I've heard from one person. I've heard it from a few different. There's no way Jesus was a bartender. You know, yeah, it's like, well, you would also say he's a pimp then because he created sex. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you use that same analogy. Um, so, anyway, continue. Um, I don't know. We got some barefoot for us. Barefoot? It's a type of wine. Oh, I wouldn't know. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, so, yeah, I think a, the, a big part of it is, is the setting up of Jesus as the creator hmm. and then following it right after, just like Genesis does. It talks about creation, and then chapter two details it more. Like in chapter one, John. In chapter one, John uh, shows how Jesus was there during creation, and now in chapter two, you're going to see how, like, you're going to see it. You're mm-hmm. going to see him creating. Things. You're going to see him create. Mm-hmm. And same thing, like, and there's not a lot of details around the miracle. The miracle, I mean, he, he just like, literally just writes it, and that's it. Because it's not the miracle; it's everything it, else about the miracle that makes it what it is. Yeah, it doesn't even say like what he did, what he said. He yeah, because there, um, yeah. there's many other examples of the miracles. Of this is an action he did. This is what he said mm-hmm. to let it happen. It just says that they filled him up, filled yeah. the water pots. That's it. Um, it's just so cool. This passage, just like the first few days, is like I know this is something we've already said, but it's just a cool realization that we get the prologue, and then we just get like the f- first week. Yeah, it's literally it's set just, up like It's creation. just so cool, though. It's yeah. like, just the, we the God and man incarnate. He's here. He's the light. People reject his light. I'm just going to show you a seven-day window, mm-hmm. you know? And you get to, like, look into Christ's life for that first seven days. It's just, like, such a cool way to write this book. Yeah. Um, it's like getting his daily planner. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know, and you're like, Monday, wedding. Yeah. You know? And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. And it's like three o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um. So yeah, another big detail, which I think is why John's trying to like insanely focus on Jesus, is that no, there's not a single name of anybody, mm. not one name of the disciples, not one name of his mom. Doesn't say Charlie Boehner in there. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout um, out to Charlie. Doesn't say who the wedding 
guests are. It doesn't talk about the servants, the master. Yeah, it just labels these people. So I think is the point is to like focus on Jesus, um, which is always the point, but here more so. Emphasize. Because that doesn't mean that when there are names mentioned, they're not focusing on Jesus. It's just... Yeah. In, in other books. Right, yeah. This is, yeah. Just, this is just like... Or if they are mentioning names, it's for a reason. To add more to context add more and to context add more... To focus on yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, again, yeah. So, the reason for the wine is like he's bringing in this like end-time joy, um, which is always symbolically in the Old Testament been used as an abundance of wine. Because mm-hmm. it's not a necessity. When you have wine that means needs are met and you have extra you know mm. so it you can li- you can survive fine without wine so yeah um it always implied that uh so i i don't know do you have anything no i just interesting what you just said like when you have wine when your needs are met usually the problem that you have like when someone who's an alcoholic is when their need is alcohol yeah, yeah, you know, and that's true. When their needs, right. they they mm-hmm. don't meet their own needs, and they're you know not eating, and they don't have mm-hmm. good shelter, and they don't have good family relationships, and they put the celebration before they the cart before the horse kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So when they don't have anything to celebrate. That becomes their need. Yeah, and just, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't have any further to carry okay. that. <laughs> But I just didn't do what you said. Um, I, I just like the connection that you made. I, you kind of brushed past it, like the marriage supper of the lamb at the end of mm-hmm. of everything that we're going to be brought into this celebration this of like piece, the yeah. the covenant that God made with us, mm-hmm. and He's going to bring us all together. And He's like, all right, now we get to celebrate and right. enjoy this like new wine and enjoy the new heaven and new earth together. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah, it's not. I did brush by it because we're trying to get through a lot, but, it know, is, but it's a huge thing now, and it is. It's it's cool that John writes both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh. Isn't it crazy that we feel like we have to rush through like twelve verses? I know, like we have an hour, and it just feels like because we have... I'm telling that's that's what especially with anything John writes, yeah. like twelve verses is triple. That, that could be twelve hours, honestly. Yeah, you could spend like this next this this next thing that I'm looking at here, when specifically for getting into the actual miracle now, when he and how he interacts with his mom, it, there's so many layers to it, and it's so interesting. So like we understand that he's going through this Genesis, he's parallel in Genesis, and he's about to show. Jesus do create. He's about to show the creation. And before he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? So I was reading, I forget who I was reading, but this guy made this uh, connection where he says, he intentionally says woman, because you don't hear that in like, there's no other discovered Jewish text where he calls his mom, where, where, where so a Jewish person refers to their mother as woman. Mm. Like they've never seen that anywhere, so they Definitely think not in the prime house. So they <laughs> you get smacked. Right? Yeah. So the reason why I think he's saying that is because um, he's identifying Mary as the woman in Genesis three fifteen, which would be the first your first messianic prophecy in the whole scripture. So Genesis three fifteen, I will put enmi- en- I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So. Them distinctly writing woman there is drawing attention to that. If you're, if you're seeing these connections to Genesis, and then he goes, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? This is the woman whose son mm. will be the one to – whose heel will be bruised and he will bring – and he oh, will beat, beat cool. Satan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought that was – So there's the creation imagery still. It's still, yeah, still yeah, creation yeah. imagery yeah, all the Eve. way through. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the um, – so we, we, st- we talked about this in uh, – the episode where we did like the, I think gossip, but the Jewish context and, and idioms. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So the next line, what does your concern have to do with me, is uh, actually a Hebrew idiom. And the only other time it's used in scripture is when uh, in 1 Kings 17 to 18, and Elijah heals uh, the woman's child. But I don't know if you remember the story, but the the woman sees Elijah she and she her, says, yeah. what have I to do? She says, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Then Elijah goes up to the upper room. She asks him to heal his child. He lays on her three times. He gets up. After the miracle, she recognizes him as, oh, you are a man of God. Mm. And here... He's saying, "Woman, what do I have? Any, what do I have anything to do with you?" She's already—it's re, it's a reversal of roles. She's already recognized. She's coming to him to fix the problem because she knows she's the, really the first person to recognize his divinity, being his mom. Hmm. Like, so um, those are the only two times those are those idioms are used. Um, so, which is a cool connection because by this point we're already saying that he, he's God. We were already saying in the he's the gate in the Philip and Nathaniel calling he's the gateway to heaven he's better than all these things and now he's better than Elijah, mm. um, and this is the first of two references to an Old Testament famine. So in the midst in the context of when that was happening in Kings, Israel was going through a famine, and Elijah saved them from that famine. Um, so she he, so he ref, so this is again another, same exact. Thing where there's a, a symbolic famine at a wedding. Mm. There's a need, there's a, we ran out. Mm-hmm. So just like in Kings, Elijah saves them for when they ran out of food and water. Mm. Um, so that's the first of a famine reference. So she says, what do I have to do with, uh, so then in response, his mom says, uh, do whatever he tells you. Again, this, that, sec, that line refers to um, Pharaoh telling the Egyptians to follow Joseph. So um, in 4155, uh, Pharaoh, so when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to, Joseph, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. So it's another famine, and Pharaoh is recognizing Joseph and, and, and saying, he's going to save us, whatever he says, do. Mm-hmm. So we're two Old Testament famine references, and now we're at a wine famine at a wedding. And she says the same exact, she references Elijah. And then she references Pharaoh saying whatever he says do. So it's interesting because when we did the, I don't I'm referencing episodes. I forget, we're sixty five in now, so I'm not the exact one. We, where we went through genealogies of like all the people that were like Christ in the Old Testament, and they mm-hmm. foreshadowed him coming. Mm-hmm. And we're yes. like, what, mm-hmm. can you tell the difference between who they are? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now we're going backwards. So now it's yeah. like all the references of like, okay, so who was like? What's this a reference to? And mm-hmm. who was this? How was? Why is Jonah being referenced here? Because right. he was an archetype of Christ before. Why is right, Elijah right, right, wise? Right. You know, and, and so it's interesting going looking ahead and now looking back. And like making them links back to like, oh, remember when this was that that was yeah. just a that was just a shadow of things to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I like the what's the Hebrews verse? Um the old the law was a copy and shadow of things to come. I love that phrase. It's been like sticking out in my head since I've read through Hebrews. That the old testament was a copy and shadow. I think it's like the perfect words. I, I don't know. It was only New King James. I don't know what the other words would mean, the yeah, other versions, yeah. but I just love that. That like everything we're reading before Christ came is a shadow backwards and it's a copy, which means it's not as good. Right. Yeah. You know, it's an imitator. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a representation of. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, that phrase helps me understand it. Like every time I'm reading the Old Testament, it's like, okay, how is this a copy and a shadow? Hmm. hmm. But yeah, it's so, so back to what you're saying, it feels like we have to rush because literally in two lines, like, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? 
my hour has not yet come, which we can go. That's a whole thing, you mm-hmm. know. And then later she says, whatever he says to you, do. And those literally in two lines, there's two Old Testament famine references mm-hmm. and two people being brought up like that have saved Israel and Egypt. So so the world saved the world from that famine that they were in. Mm. Um, so it's just that that's why 12 verses can feel like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be able to get this in and like, you yeah. know. And you feel like you're running through everything because it's John just packs everything in. Yeah, he's like the I don't know, sounds he's like the king of the Jews here. I know it's a terrible phrase, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's Jesus. Yeah. But I was saying like he's the king of like all the Jewish history, you know. And like, yeah, he's, that's he's why they really said so he's well. the theologian. Yeah. <laughs> the as soon as I started the phrase, I knew it wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. So um Yeah, I don't know. Then you get the six stone ceremonial water jars. Which can be its own episode, but uh, the creation parallel there again, yes, yeah, six days, um, and you know, it, specifically saying that they're Jewish and the ceremonial law is like he's doing a new thing. He's making what was old new now and better with the wine skins. Making yeah, making a wine yeah, yeah. Make, making so if the the fact that he mentions the purification jars of water, it's a symbolism that like the law and tradition are now fulfilled through the blood and spirit. Mm. And that's, again, it's just a foreshadow to what's, what will be yeah. our salvation. Yeah, because those stones filled with water in and of themselves could not bring joy and, like, redemption. But Jesus working through them could. And now that... So everyone, just to bring it down to, like, layman's terms, so like, for the, the creation, it's pretty cool because... It's six jars, right? But that's not seven. So we're like, what's the seventh? Well, mm-hmm. now everybody can rest. So like, Correct. it, is, yeah, it yeah. is the seventh day because mm-hmm. it, you know, figuratively, because it's it's cool because like they're all. Imagine the context, and again, thank you, chosen. Uh, but like the context of like the they're, they're panicking. I mean, the the, the yeah. people that brought the wine are and it's they a, ran it's out a quick. It's, 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 it's stress, yeah. and they're just like, what are we gonna do? And they were thinking about their financial hardship, and then you know the guests are probably wondering like, oh, is my glass empty? You know, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, they're starting to get anxious, and like the whole there's probably this like bad vibe, and yeah. and it's like everybody's not. It's just nothing, something's wrong. And then Jesus comes in and does the work. And then on the seventh day, everybody's like chilling and resting again, you know? And I just, I love that. I don't know. Just how perfectly symmetrical it is going back. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, just like we talked about last week, it's either the Bible, it's just like perfect truth or perfect lie. Either mm-hmm. way, it's perfect. Yeah. Which is like, like I don't insane. know how you would go and write this otherwise. And is, what do you think? I know we're not going to get there today, but do you think there's a significance for why this immediately is proceeded by Jesus cleansing the temple? Because they're like very different signs. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm sure if, it's, if, I, if I know well, John, well, which next I don't, week we'll come way, with the yeah. answer. We'll, we'll yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. answer I'm, next week. I'm but. sure there's a cleansing. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I was going to say he's. It, just taking a stab at it, he's bringing in the the new kingdom with joy and everything, and then this is him clearing out the what has the gotten old. corrupted and yeah. and reestablishing what the temple is really meant for, yeah. which is what the blood does. Yeah, you know, so you, you bring the blood and you show the uh, the old and new covenant transition here and right. how God is going to bring everything new, and in that it comes with cleansing. Which again, I, I don't I do want to jump ahead, but. You're talking about primary and secondary. The primary here is everything we're talking about, the sign and what that means about Jesus. Hmm. The next section uh, is mainly used as a clobber verse for anger and saying, Jesus was angry. I can be angry too. 
Right. But if you put it in the scope of this is one of seven signs, this one comes directly after blood and the feast. So and now we have judgment. It's yeah. like, okay, so this well, is really a bigger picture of Christ's deity, not really talking about you and your anger. You're kind of you blowing know? my mind right now because what I'm thinking about is like if the water to wine is the law and the prophets and his his the new covenant now, his blood. Mm-hmm. But, so John writes so John writes Revelation, you have the same exact thing where it's you have the before that seventh day, that ultimate seventh day of rest, when it's the new creation and it's the new heaven and the new earth, you have the wedding, the marriage, mm-hmm. the the marriage, feast yeah, of marriage the supper of the lamb, yeah. Whew. So, um, <laughs> so it's almost following the same pattern of Revelation, where, like you said, there's going to he cleanses the temple. There's going to be destruction. Judgment. There's going to be destruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does seem to be very similar. Yeah. Profound. Yeah. Well. We'll get there next time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I've heard probably more teachings and more references about these two stories out of context. Maybe because I'm here right now, but like, it seems like these two stories yeah. are used out of context more than most. Yeah, yeah. because they're two things that are justifying. You could ju- you could justify sin with if you Drunkenness and anger. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. Because <laughs> they usually go hand in hand too, mm-hmm. you know, on the opposite. Yeah. So, for changing water into wine, if we were to summarize, I know we're not done, but I'm just saying, if you're like, yeah. just pause for a second, what would we say the primary purpose of this is? You just summarize. The actual miracle itself? Yeah, the primary purpose of this passage being included by John in the book. I, I would just say to establish the new age, and so the new age meaning his messiahship, and his creation and his create create not I want to say creativity, that sounds creative weird. power. His creative power mm-hmm. to hit to make him divine. Okay. So it's 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 showing both. He mm. is divine, which John one lays out. And sh- the miracle shows you how he's divine, mm-hmm. but it's also specific to the fact that this is bringing in the new age. The the water is changing into wine. The purification jars are now filled with wine which will represent spirit and blood. Mm. Okay, so that's, um, and I agree. And I, I think if you boil it down, you could just remember verse 11, right? This is the beginning of the signs. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and, and but like we are, you're expounding on like why this sign. And, yeah, and, why, and this is, why is this the beginning? Why this is the mm-hmm. first one. Um, and I think that's important. Like I want to keep bringing it back to that because we could rabbit trail in a bunch of different ways, but... Our purpose doing this Bible study is to, to focus on the primary purpose of each part. And I don't think you can piece that together without some background information on this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's... And, yeah. and this, just, this just comes from, like, the extra work that we have to do because we're not Hebrew. Yeah. So yeah, we're not first century Yeah, Jews. we're not first century Jews. So to them, this would, they would immediately get these connections to Elijah. They'd be like, oh my God, that's exactly what Elijah's, the woman at, uh, mm. said to Elijah. That's exactly what Pharaoh said to, and that maybe that's just a, maybe that's just on us because we, they do say the same thing in English. So at the end of the day, we just don't know our scriptures like they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would make hmm. immediate references to these. Yeah. And like, now we talk about them, like, oh, there's hyperlinks, this and that. Like, they wouldn't even have to call them that if they were back in the, how they knew the scriptures. They'd, I, I guess you could call them that, but they would just immediately be like, oh, I, I, got, I know what he's doing. Yeah, this is clearly creation. That's clearly a reference to Elijah. That's clearly a reference to Joseph. That's 
which I think is the sign of a healthy Bible study where you sit around with 10 people and read a passage and then everybody can start connecting dots to different books. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. whenever yeah, that happens- It's hap- work to get there, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. that's a sign of like you've gotten there to yeah, a certain, yeah, to a yeah, certain point yeah. where, and I'm not saying that you need to have like five references for anything, but that's, this sounds really simil- similar to like the other book we read. What, like, yeah. what was that? Mm-hmm. Even that kind of simple thing of making that connection is, you know, illumination of the, of the word, you know? Yeah, because anytime you're said like, oh, I've heard that before, that means you've read that before. Yeah. Because that's really, that's really yeah. what it is. Like, Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget why I love The Giver so much. Did you ever read The, yeah. Gi- the Giver? Mean, if in eighth grade. Lois Lowry. Um, Shout out to Lois. Yeah, we know you're listening. Um, I remember I remember this because I won uh, Reader of the Month um, mm. that month. Um, shout out to Ms. Zimmerman. Um, but we- That was a foreshadow of Teacher of the Month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Teacher of the Year. Yeah. We, uh, we're finished the giver. And like, like you get to the end of the book and, and you find out he's going down the sled and he's going into like elsewhere or whatever. And there's mm-hmm. a, like, this was something that was like foreshadowed earlier in the book in a vision that he had, right? And yep. so I just, I was so into the book. I thought it was so cool. Like the dystop- first dystopian novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they literally, like, I remember reading it and I, and I looked up at her and she was waiting to see in the class, like who was going to make the connection first. But because I was like a nerd and like super into it, I like looked up and like I saw her like so excited that like somebody made the connection. You know, and I remember that thrill I had of being like, oh my gosh, like this is a foreshadow. Like I remember when he had the thing, like how does this make sense? And then like as I, you know, as they, the guy kept reading the audio book, like everybody else started clicking too. But I still have that thrill of like when you're mm. reading something, you're like, oh my God, that's so, that's so exciting. Yeah, like yeah. Literally, oh my God, that's yeah, so yeah, exciting. Because yeah, yeah. um, you're, you're looking back and, and it, something starts to click and you're like, wow, this was intended for me. Mm-hmm. Like when the author wrote that, she wrote it with that connection in mind that you were going to make. And I'm sure God gets that same joy when we're reading his word and he's looking at us in our classroom, you know what I mean? Figuratively and just making that connection. He's like, oh, I'm so happy you made that connection. You know, like that joy that it brings God for us to have that moment. Mm -hmm. In the same way that teacher looked at me and was like, oh man, like I'm doing something here. You know, like he's, he's at least making the connection that that... Anyway, no, I think, I, yeah, I think it's, it's true. It's a cool and, and analogy. I heard, the, I actually heard the Bible Project talk about this once, and because John Collins was asking Tim Mackey, like he was so like, uh, he was kind of troubled with the idea, and this really is partly the whole one of the whole points of how the scriptures are written, and and there's different genres, but why they seem sometimes to be open ended, or why they seem to be like so much symbolism in them, or why all these things. Is because you're supposed to read it your whole entire life and wrestle with it. And not only that, but it also comes from, and I know people are probably so tired of hearing this, but just Jewish culture is a very, and it's a very Middle Eastern culture where it's everything is, is both and. Sometimes this is 100% true and you need this in this situation. And sometimes, that's why Proverbs can seem to contradict itself when, when you read Proverbs in the wisdom literature. It's like, in some situations, this verse needs to come yeah, to mind, and the Holy matters. Spirit will bring it to, to, mm-hmm. to light. And this situation, this verse matters, and the Holy Spirit will bring it to light. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, Israel's name means wrestles with God. So it's just like a, you're supposed to, your whole life, like, wrestle with it. And, and I remember John Collins asking Tim, like, these writers are writing certain things knowing and being okay with the fact that, like, a lot of people aren't going to get this. Like, but some people will. Those those who are seeking after the truth and are seeking after God and are and are really studying, they're going to get it. But yeah, study to show yourself to approve work. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you don't study it, you're going to miss a lot of what the author's intentions were, and the authors were okay with that. 
Yeah, even with on verse in verse eighteen on the Bauer Projects episode on this with their creation series. Yeah. Uh, my my version is a good point. Oh, by the way, this is like what you're talking about. No, verse one. I'm sorry, chapter <laughs> one, okay. verse uh, eighteen. Um, like the mind has it filled in, but apparently in the Hebrew, uh, the the Greek manuscript, it says the only begotten Son who is the bosom of the mm. Father, and He has declared, and it doesn't finish it. Our mm. text fill in him. Mm. And, yeah, the italicized, yeah. Declared. And it's like literally dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, in, in some of the manuscripts. And so, like the idea that they're leaving you with a cliffhanger so you finish the book. Yeah. And in the same way that, you know, if you if you don't, you're talking about there's like once in a while there's that, if they don't get, like at this point, you when you're reading this, you should know that he's talking about Jesus, but not everybody's going to get that. And they didn't, they could have easily filled in the rest of that to make it very, very clear and specific. Right. But John decided to leave it open-ended, hoping they would continue to read. But if they don't, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to know. <laughs> so, yeah. Even, even that reminds me of like a, the most commonly, the most common prayer that every Jew says three times a day, the Shema. Mm-hmm. Hero, Israel, Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. So what it really translates to is all your mind, all your body, body. and all your very. Mm. And which like is everything. Very what? Yeah, yeah. Which is like so. Like Timaki translates it, your muchness, like everything that is you. Mm-hmm. You should love the Lord your God with everything that is you, like that. Mm. So again, but that's an open-ended. You know, your very. You know, that's very reminds me of like the language and and this. It's, it sounds like I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's your name? It's like an open ended. It's like everything. Shut up. Tell me more specifics. (laughs) I'm what? Steve? I am like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing that in a Sunday school lesson and being like, man, that's very annoying. Like, God couldn't be more broad there. Right. More general. I guess it's like that's how scripture's meant to be. It's like, because if it wasn't like that, everything would just be black and white and we didn't know everything by now. But it's so nuanced and it's so great intentionally. And. Mostly in my, I would I would say that the Bible is. I've heard that this before. Like the Bible is like an instruction handbook for life. I don't think that's an accurate description of the Bible. No. Um, like it's a it's a picture of God, and we look and learn about God's nature and know we're image bearers, and so we try to imitate and we try to follow, find the best mm-hmm. ways. But I don't think it's like a, an instruction handbook. Oh no, I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't find many instructions for the modern day Christians. We look at examples we look at what god chooses to chooses to bless you know we do have the 10 commandments but that's just a way to shine a light on the law that we can't hold up and you know it's like a it's like a flashlight on our sin you know mm-hmm. and i don't know i i think that that isn't a hundred percent incorrect but it's definitely not the most correct way to it's both in yeah <laughs> it is it's yeah it's an instruction handbook but it's also but i i almost say that's less that's that's secondary to me as an Correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it should be, yeah. Yeah. Um, when there's other ones that are like, I would almost put that in the wrong category, but, you know, it's the same with creation. Like, yeah. you know, talking about creation, is it a declaration of God's glory or is it that we have a literal 24 periods? Mm-hmm. You know? And one you could spend a whole lifetime arguing about and one you could just accept and move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of arguing. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially about those things. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, anyway. I think for those ones, why they, I get frustrated is I'm trying to like just worry about things that are in my sphere of influence, uh, and I know like people get think it's heretical to talk about like, secular books, but like the the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, like mm-hmm. one of the first ones, and I only got like halfway through because I kind of just skimmed the rest of them because they looked pretty basic. But the first one was like recognizing your sphere of influence and only focusing on the things that you can immediately affect, mm-hmm. and everything else let go, which is the news, which is why I let it go a couple years ago, like and not harping so much on it, yeah, and why. 
those immediate issues I cannot immediately affect. Like I cannot in my sphere of influence with my fi uh, finite mind decide if it was 24 hours. I mean, I can lean on one, but like, is that really? Again, it's, we're missing the point. Yeah. If you're, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you're arguing whether it was aged wine or wasn't, or it was less alcoholic and uh, you missed the point. Yeah. yeah. And you're trying to, you know, create a. You're trying to fit it into a certain theology that you have. You made a yeah. theology, mm. and now you're trying to make this fit in it. Yeah. Mm. What do you think the, the the main areas that we do that are? <laughs> um, I would say, and I'm not saying that I have different opinions than the majority of Christians on these. Just for that, for, for the record, like if I say homosexuality, right, I would say that's that's one that I think I believe in the biblical definition of marriage and that God created you know man and woman to behave yep. in a certain way. But I also think a lot of the scriptures that we handpick to support that theology don't necessarily that wasn't the intention of those you know? correct it was the intention it's one of the that's that's more of a systematic thing like from yeah. beginning to end it's you can consistent. see it's pretty yeah. consistent man woman yeah but if i'm it, looking at like genesis i don't think it was a, a hetero homo theology yeah i don't handle. think the author had any any homosexual th things in his brain to, that he was fighting against Which that is, he was that he was you know that he was Writing yeah. against a... He wasn't writing against yeah, yeah, yeah. a, a he, way of life. He was not thinking of homosexuality at all. Yeah. yeah. It was just, this is the creation of the world. Right, that right. Proclaim God's glory, and it's going to be written about in John. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, so just th what, other than that, what else do you think is like really heavily supported by the Bible, but by its secondary meanings? Oh, uh, well, we're so now... we hit gonna, on a few already. But. See, now we're going to... We had... I know we had an episode on it, but now we're going to get dicey. Um, what do you mean? Like the misquoted scriptures? No... In the in the when we did a couple bunch of gray areas, mm -hmm. oh okay. I think it's very hard to take any sort of. I, I don't want to say this word because it's going to get misconstrued, but you know, for you know, for lack of better terms, violent stance. Oh okay, I got you. It's it seems to me like ninety nine percent on the side of pacifism in the right sense of the word and laying down your life and being the sheep led to the slaughter and, 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 and winning through your weakness and his strength, not anything that has to do with you. And, and I do think there's a protective nature, but I do think people manipulate a lot of verses to make it feel like that. So, and just, and, and just immediately go to hyperbolic situations. Well, what am I supposed to do? Watch my daughter get raped. And it's like, okay, that is not happening to 90, a lot of the world. Yeah. But it is happening in some areas. So it is a valid question, but like, is that your sphere of influence right now? Yeah. When you're saying that to me, you know? Yeah. As I wrap up jury duty tomorrow, <laughs> should, without disclosing any information, should I just be like, listen, he's innocent because, and then just say what you said, 99% of the Bible <laughs> says we should, you know, whatever it is. I don't think that would be uh, applicable in the court system. Yeah, no. yeah. What else though? I think... I don't know. I, I do. I'm not. A, I don't know how to say this. I'm not against systematic theologies at all. I just think there does present a issue when you claim one and cling to one because now everything has to fit into that. And if it doesn't, now you either have to humble yourself and say you were wrong. Or you have to use verbal gymnastics and manipulate all sorts of scriptures to make something fit within your systematic theology. I think I think that's true. I, and I think that there are some 
that I so let's say I hold to the um, a systematic theology, and for, for, if you guys are listening, like we throw around these words, like we're th- they're not we're not. We're not, <laughs> not like theologians. The we're not theologians. It's just something we've mentioned a lot, so it feels like n- normal vocabulary yeah. for us. But like, it's just when you study the Bible and you you see, like the word um, tr- the Trinity is not used, right? Mm-hmm. But we look at the three different persons that are talked about and how they're all, and especially from John, you know, in the, yeah. in the first chapter. Um, so we never see the word Trinity, but we call it the Trinity because we've looked at different all the different parts of the Bible and said, okay, this seems to fit, and we'll just name it. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that a good example yeah, for it? Yeah. And so when we when we Look at the Trinity. I see that ring true every time I read a scripture. I've never found anything that's like even remotely against it, right? Mm-hmm. So that one I see held up over twenty years of reading the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. And so for that one, I don't often, I don't ever go back. Well, often I don't ever have to be like, "Is that true again?" You know, and like because as I'm reading, I just see it become true over and over and over and over again. Yeah. But there are certain systematic ones that are less re- repeated and less formative. Yeah, I think that's the you picked the one that like pretty much describes a fundamental principle of being a Christian. Yeah, like yeah a tr- which is so systematic, like, though. Yeah, so. it, it is, yeah, but, I mean, I would, I don't know what they're called. I, I I don't know if you would still be called a Christian if you didn't believe in the Trinity. Mm. Now you're, like, it, kind of, you're Jehovah, what, you're Jehovah Witness. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Like, mm. But that's, would you consider them a Christian? I don't know. I mean, I would. I, I, for, we have a large, I don't want to, we have a large audience that's Jehovah's right. Witness. I, so I don't want to... I would just say the mark of being a Christian is believing that Jesus was God. Yeah. As fully God. Fully yeah. God. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All things They're are like created through him. Yeah. yeah. So hmm. I yeah, but I mean I'm just regardless. I think there are certain systematic yeah, yeah, theologies yeah. that you can cling tighter to than others. Yeah. Like there's a, a I, if there's like a, a white to gray, a black scale and like we're talking about gray what I love your bad? analogies. Not good. Is that bad? Like, no, I love your, yeah. My hands are in the air, everybody, so you know. Yeah. Um then, like you just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I would say like you know certain ones like I would say tattoos like put right in the middle. You know that if you're doing systematic theology and you're trying to figure it out, it's like I I, I don't care I, enough for it to be any darker or lighter. Mm-hmm. But when I would say like Trinity, that's like as you know as far as it can go before it's not any shade. Right. You know, and then other systematic theology like alcohol. If you're talking about alcohol and stuff, like I would put like I have a, I have a pretty solid understanding of like don't be drunk, but it's. It, Okay, moderation, if you're in a position to not stumble each other. You know, like all those things are like pretty mm-hmm. easy to summarize. I put that really close to like the shade of white. But every, like there's a there's a bunch of others that are just like really gray for me. And I don't know how to toss them in a black or gray circle. Um, and so anyway, my whole point is I think there are some that are less gray and some that are more gray. But you still have to hold everything with an open hand as you study. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like everything, every systematic theology is up for grabs, like right. ba- I, I, baptism and, you know, and, but. Well, so when I, I guess when I said systematic theology, I didn't mean necessarily. The basic truths. I didn't mean those. Okay. Yeah. What I meant more is like a, okay, so I'm a dispensationalist. I'm a com- gotcha. covenantal dispensationalist. Uh, um, so now if you're, if you're dispensationalist. You're most likely pre-trib, pre-mail that ha- almost has to come with that. And you have a certain – so, you know, it's like once you dictate yeah. one thing, now it's got to dictate the rest of the thing. And things. then you're sensationalist. Like, you don't believe the Holy Spirit. Right. Then, so it's like it, – it, so now you're stuck in one – well, whatever. There's so, other one. There's So I was thinking like a a, the, a specific small theology that's been studied systematically, which mm-hmm. I mean, most of us – what we're talking about is like that's normal. But you're talking about like a systematic way to put the whole Bible yeah, into it. Yeah, a paradigm. Then I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once you cling to absolutely one – paradigm now you got to look through you got to look at everything through that 
Yeah. And you're kind of stuck in that. And any gray area, anything that comes up that could go both ways, you've got to go one way. Mm. And and it leaves out that ancient Hebrew Jewish way of thinking of like both ends or, you know, just Hmm. maybe – you're wrong, or maybe you're right. You know, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, well, even for dispensationalism, I mean, then you know, another giant word we're pretending we, you know, everybody knows is is like just different when the Bible starts and stops. How God relates to different people, at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can Google that right now and see that the people group the Bible into three chunks, mm-hmm. dispensations, and then you can l- see seven and eleven. And there's giant swaths of people Mm -hmm. that built their theologies on each of those. And so if you're dispensationalist, there's even like even more minute camps in between those or among them. And then at that point, are you really going to die on the hill of the seven dispensation dispensationalist or the 11? Like that's really where you're going to draw the line where everything you get is filtered. It just seems so opposite of unity and it's like a lot of – and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing – It's a tool. It is – yeah, yeah. That's the way I picture it. It's a tool. Like it, it has helped me understand the Bible. You know, and like, I think that's ba- sorry, I didn't cut you off, but like, yeah, if you're yeah. talking about like basic dispensationalism, it is helpful for a new believer mm-hmm. to read and see the law and know that that is different than how God relates to us now and how to explain that. It's like, see, God related to people differently in the garden than they do in Exodus. Yeah. You walk with them in the garden. Yeah. yeah. And now, you know, they fell and the sin get into the world. And then, you know, the whole Old Testament after that is like people trying to relink through a system that God gave them as a substitution and he relates them that way. And then New Testament, we get a new way that God relates mm-hmm. to us because it's like, that's basic distanciationalism. literally Hebrews 1. It's, yeah. I think we mentioned yeah. that last week, just talking about how God has used multiple ways to talk to people in different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of them have to do with gifts of the spirit and where dispensationalists disagree. A lot of them have to do with your view on God's promises and covenants to Israel. You're mm-hmm. like, and, and then all those things dictate how you have to read Revelation and, and, and things like that. Or, or that, that's one, how you take the, how you read the Bible. There's, normal there, and plain interpretation. Yeah, exactly. If you read it literally in normal and plain, mm-hmm. everything like that, then, you, then you're going to, I don't know, you're well, just going to be constantly looking for who's what, the mark of the beast in the 666. And, the, and that's the problem with normal and plain is people that I, I, I respected that they're, their systematic is normal and plain, right? And then they get to the wedding at Cana and they're saying that the Hebrew word for wine really means it's not, and you're like, that's mm-hmm. not normal and plain. You know, so like, then you get to a part where your normal and plain doesn't fit with your dispensation. So, right, and, and, then, yeah. and then you're conflicting and then you have to like go through, write a 35 page paper on why it wasn't wine, mm-hmm. you know? So if you buy into too many things, you become a hypocrite, you know, and you you... But as soon as you get into two systematic theologies on how to interpret the whole Bible, you have to compromise one. And then it's like, why, why even buy into any, you know? Right. And there's, I think there's really like four main ones, like systematic. And it's like, there's probably a lot of truth in each one. Yeah. Because the either or mentality would say one of these is right and the all, all – yeah. Either all wrong, or one of these is right and three are wrong, or maybe there's a bit of truth at all of them, and some are missing the mark, and some are getting it in some spots, and the other spots, some are missing it. Some well, are, it like, has hmm. to be, because like, the fact that you think you get it out of- Well, right. That's, what, that's, that's not, It's like that's, the narcissism right, to right, think right. that it you're is, the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, how many- You guys start writing books. Spurgeon wrote so much. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, still didn't get 
90% of what the Bible has to offer. Yeah, and I think once you you adopt that mentality, like, you start to, like, well, I can't read that guy. That guy's a a this or that guy's a that, you know? That guy's Mm. a continuationist or that guy's whatever, you know? Yeah. That guy's post-mill. I can't read him. It's like, well, he might have had a truth bomb in there for you that you're you're just going to miss out on because, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, and this is just speculation, so it's just a thought out loud. So I wonder how many of the sermons that aren't recorded from the apostles, right? Like Peter, you know, he's given mm-hmm. his, his he's given the first sermon, and after that, that aren't recorded. If he ever like made a doctrinal mistake in what he was saying, or do you think the spirit was just like, I don't know, it's a weird. Is there a chance in the words not recorded that they actually had like a misunderstanding of who God was? Oh, and, so, yeah. and then said it. And like proclaim, like, and so people could be listening to Peter and be like, I can't listen to him. He believes blank. You said it or wrote it? Said it. Wrote it, I believe this is inspired. But I'm God. saying, are you saying there's a written one somewhere that. No, not written, but like, okay, like but literally so, all oh, I think so. Like that's they, why, that's they why spoke incorrect sermons. To, like, that's why had, Paul had to, to address mm-hmm. Peter to his face. Yeah. And said, you're missing, you're missing it. And it's you're getting weird it wrong. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. Or even the, the fact that some said that they follow Apollos <clears throat> and some say they followed. Uh, Paul and yeah. some said they followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were trying to distinguish exact things that they said versus right. the scripture itself. I'm um, just my point is that like you're saying how you yeah. throw out like Rick Warren because mm-hmm. he's got some wackadoodle thing on, right, right, on right, right, right. the gifts or whatever, and then you remember, remember there were people during the day who like threw out Peter because he said like he was off on something, you know, when he first started, yeah yeah. You know, I'd be yeah. like mm-hmm. I, I would I know it's probably terrible. I feel like that's wrong that analogy, but. No, I know what you mean. It's just, but I mean, we we kind of act like that sometimes. It's like yeah. I've never read a Joel Olstein book, but I'm sure I'd learn something from it. It'd feel very good after, uh, right? And be, maybe I need very, to read it. Be very wealthy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You, you, you can imagine, imagine Joe comes in next Thursday. And he's like, "Hello, guys!" Like he has like a southern accent, and he's. I don't even know what he sounds. Does he have a southern accent? Yeah, oh, very right. very thick. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You, he's got puppies. You ever see the clip of of him? Um, it's on the internet, so it's not gossip. Um, it's getting cold. It's getting rolls eyes. They, uh, he's like, he's, if you pray for a puppy, a puppy will fall from the sky into your arms. That's not real. Yeah, it's in like one. Of, it's in the context of a sermon that probably makes it softer. But like, he's like, if you pray for a puppy, you'll get a puppy. I mean, why would you say something that could be immediately just dis- <laughs> like seconds after? Um, imagine, imagine they were just like throwing puppies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, like the fake glory cloud in Bethel, it's like puppies fall from there. <laughs> he misses it. Anyway, I feel like Family Guy would have already made fun of that if that was it. Um, so right, I, so, go ahead. Get, no, get no, mine's yeah. What I've never seen The Simpsons. Neither have I. You've, have you ever seen The Simpsons? Not, not. A full I mean, I've seen. I've never seen a full episode. Yeah. I like. Is that, on, that's got to be the longest running show ever. I saw on an yeah. app. There's like thir- season thirty three, and 33? I was blown away. It's season thirty something. Jeez. And, and I that was like, and South Park have to be the longest running shows ever. I just didn't know people really watched Simpsons. I thought that was done in the nineties. I thought, I, and the fact that there's still an audience. I haven't heard anyone mention The Simpsons my entire adult life. At this point, what's the guy's name? Bart? No, uh, yeah. no, Bart. no, the, 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 the father. Is it Simpson? I thought it was Bart. Bart's the son, son, I think. Okay, well, then we'll use him as an uh, Hom- example. Wait, is it Homer? Homer, Homer, Homer right? Yeah. yeah. He wrote the Iliad. He's got to be okay. like, yeah. 
He's got to be dead now, right? Like 30-some seasons? How many years has this been? I mean, people live more than 50 years, so he could oh, be at 20 to 30. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. I just, you mean the guy's I, voice who does the voice? Yeah. Well, that too, yeah. And I feel like that's an easy voice to call. Oh, you mean the, the guy, the character in the animated yeah, show? Yeah, I didn't want to. Oh, no. He's probably oh, a little bit of, sorry. Yeah, I know there's, there's, the there's like a little yeah. bit of, uh, uh, what's that, suspending so, disbelief or whatever, but yeah. I don't know. So you're saying like the boy would probably have a bit graduated yeah, from he would. Yeah, point. like how many stories, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I mentioned Valentine and I was like, the other, I saw it in there, I was like, man, I can't believe it. How many seasons are there? And it's like 30, whatever seasons. What in the world? Is that the longest running show? It's probably that or some – I think um, – what's it? General Hospital was one of those daytime TV mm. shows. Um, it's got it's, – it's, some of them are 40 or 50 years going on. Come on, I, I asked up. a simple question to Google, and it couldn't give me a simple answer. To answer, it is 34, and it is the longest-running uh, show on TV. The second closest one is 24 seasons, which is – Oh, wait. Let me guess. I like this. Uh, Survivor. No. Oh. Is it, it's still coming out. Is it a daytime show? Uh, that I don't know. King of the uh, Hill. First, King last. Hill. Yeah, so the top three are all still present. Oh, wait, hold on. I think Adam would like that. Oh, no. You're, you're in a... Did you look? No, I tried, but he, he tried, but I, t- I turned it, yeah. Family Guy is the number four at 21 seasons. Really? Yeah. Wow, I would have never guessed that. Is that the, are these three. the top cartoons or just in No, general? just top longest running scripted wait, American okay. primetime South television Park. series. That's really long. South Park. South Park is not on there. Uh, are, are the next two animated? Uh, the next two are not animated now. General <sighs> Hospital. No. Law and Order SVU. Law yes. and Order SVU, and then the third one. Oh, um, Law and Order. Just Law and Order. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so That's with uh, twenty four yeah. <laughs> seasons and then twenty two seasons. Okay. So like combined, it's like what forty eight, forty six. I can do math. Yeah. Well, they're different actors at least, so it's like at least they're not on that long. But like, it's weird to watch a show where like Mariska Hardigay plays. Detective Benson in um, in Law and Order SVU. She was like a, like twenty when she started. Now she's like in her fifth. Like you know, she's older. It's weird. Hmm. See someone. Anyway, sorry. I, I sorry typed South Park called. and it's not even on the list. So I don't no know. way. They, they've been coming out since I was five. I don't know. And he's forty now. So <laughs> so, <laughs> so at least thirty five. <laughs> oh, that's because it's not. Is that because it's not an American show? Isn't that a Canadian? Oh, are they Canadian? Ninety nine percent sure. Oh, I have okay. no idea. The little people. Like coats on, so I know. I've never seen South Park either. No, South Park's out of the show is out of Colorado, like the actual show. Mm. But I don't know where it's made from. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen an episode of Simpsons or Family Guy or, or um, South Park. I I haven't either of those and Family Guy. Either Family no. Guy. No. Okay. So you are holier than. No, no, no. I just I can't. I can't. I've twenty five seasons of South Park. Us. Okay. Okay. Thought. Okay. All right, back to John. Yeah. Um. So I did want to get back to the wine thing. Okay. So do you have this up? Go up to the bottom. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was reading this, and I haven't really fully flushed it out yet. But I want to see what you guys think about it. Okay, yeah. Okay. So... The Holy Spirit it, and wine. Is that where we are? No, above that. Water, Water imagery. imagery. Okay. Okay. So John clearly uses a lot of, in his thought the gospel, a lot of water imagery. And um, water, water has always been associated with the Torah, right? So you get 
the law and the prophets mm-hmm. in, in, in Jewish thinking and, and, and everything like that. So um, somebody, I was reading this article where it's like, if you replace, because in Jewish thinking, water is always related with the Torah because they both, they both show your reflection. They both wash you clean. It's mm-hmm. always been in, in the Jewish sages, like they related the Torah to water. So I was reading this article and somebody was saying that if you replace water every time John uses it with the law and the prophets. Okay. So every time you read water, going through John 1, and you replace it with hmm. the law and the prophets. Okay. It kind of does something pretty wild. So, if you if you wanted to do that, you, you'd you'd see. Hmm. Um, and then and then, but it makes a lot. Do you want to try it for a couple of verses? So yeah. So I'm, and then what I'm saying is, it makes a huge impact when you then read that he changed the water to wine, and then what wine symbolizes. Ah, uh, okay. And so. now it makes it if he's so if every time he uses water, mm-hmm. he's meaning the law and the prophets, and then you see what mm. historically wine always meant. Then it does something, and it connects. To, it connects to Acts too, like old and new covenant. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so John one twenty six. Mm-hmm. John answered them saying, "I baptize with the law and prophets. The law and the prophets. But there stands one among you who you do not know. It is he who is coming after me, who is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose." John one thirty one. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with long law and prophets. prophets. Oh, sorry, that was good though. I, was John, fill, I thought we were doing fill in the blank. Cool, go ahead. You got the next <laughs> John one thirty three. I did not know him, but he who sent me is baptized with law and prophets, and said unto me, unto whom uh, you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So, keep in mind, with this Holy Spirit, that is going to mean wine. Gotcha. So continue. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with law and the prophets. Nice. You guys are so good at this. Okay. John 2, 9, when the master of the banquet tasted the law and the prophets that was made wine and did not know where it came from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Hmm. John 3, 5. Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of law and prophets <laughs> and, and of the spirit. spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of the heaven, kingdom of God. A woman of Samaria came to draw the law and the, the prophets. prophets. All right. Slay. All right. Jesus answered to her and said, whoever drinks of this law and prophets will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give them will never thirst again. The woman said, sir, give me this water. That, that one is different. But So then if you go to 1 John, so this is a different book now, but John's still writing. 1 John 5, 6 to 8, it says, this is he who came by law and prophets and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by law and prophets, but by law and prophets and, and blood. <laughs> and it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there's the Trinity. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, law and prophets, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Okay, so we established. So if you make, if you, I'm doing the job, I'm killing it. You are killing it. You haven't missed a beat, literally. Same cadence. I was, I was so focused, Same man. profits. Okay, so now, sorry. If you change wine, he knew the assignment. So yeah. now, if you choose wine, the Holy Spirit. 
Now, if you change wine, the Holy Spirit, it takes on a new meaning. So, <clears throat> Gotcha. So, in John 2, he makes uh, several allusions to the Messianic age of new wine, like in Amos 9.13. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, Holy Spirit, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. In Joel 2.19, the Lord will answer you to say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and Holy Spirit and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Joel 3.18, and it will come to pass on that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, so the Holy Spirit that... Sh- the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord, and water from the valley of the Caches. Um, so, in Acts 2, if you remember, when the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. new wine, mm-hmm. comes upon the apostles, they start preaching. And Peter makes reference that a prophecy is being fulfilled. Mm. So I just had that moment with your teacher looking up, and I, I clicked yeah. where he's going. Yeah. Nice. So Peter says, this prophecy is now fulfilled. And the prophecy that he mentions is Joel. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on all my men servants and all my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come before the coming of the... The next thing is the cleansing of the temple mm. before the coming of the day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. So Luke draws from the same imagery that John does. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Jews and the devout men that were there for the mm-hmm. pilgrimage all said, they got others were mocking, said they are full of new wine. Mm-hmm. But they were actually filled with the Holy Spirit and they missed it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So when you see Jesus changing water into wine, it's the law and the prophets into the, the blood and the Holy Spirit. Um, I haven't fully so, flushed that out, but no, I was no. mind blown when I read it. Yeah, Is that it, why it literally blew you my said, mind. I'm not ready yet? Yeah, I, I <clears throat> had, I had uh, if you look at my notes here, I had, why is there a wedding and why is it wine? All the way at the end, and I was going to build to it, and right thing, okay, first, why a wedding? <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> you just threw my whole thing off. <laughs> gotcha. So for, for the only thing I'm... Um, but don't look at me like that. I know I what? stuttered. No, I don't. Jeez. Tough crowd. Um, one of the <laughs> first things that I, when I was thinking when you were talking, why necessarily did we insert law and prophets into water? Why did we swap them out? What was the reasoning for that? Because we're looking at, we're looking at the imagery John is using. Okay. And in his, through his, through his gospel. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at Jesus changed the six ceremonial mm-hmm. jars for purification into into wine. Okay. But why why law and prophets? Because um, in Torah, the Torah was always equated with water, because it the Torah, the law and the prophets, it always was always equated with water, because it it's ref, it gives you a reflection to look into, and it cleanses you. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay, I just want to make sure I, I missed the and, rationale and, for it. Yeah, and then also the law and the prophets were always symbolized as Moses and Elijah. Moses' name means drawn out from the water. Yeah. And John the Baptist is in all this water imagery, and he's at the Jordan River, and he comes in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus says that when they ask him, like, we thought 
Elijah was supposed to come before you. And he says, John came in the spirit of Elijah. So the, so Moses and Elijah always were referenced to the law and the prophets. Okay. And John is now that second Elijah. Yeah, I, I knew that. I just didn't know that. I didn't know if there was like a specific reason why water always represents the law and prophets. And just because it, 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 the whole you see together. your reflection. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So yeah, you see your reflection and it cleanses you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Cool. It's just That's just one of those idioms where like... It made, makes sense. Yeah, a, Jew, a Jewish person made a made made that made a connection like that. Okay, because um, normally, like you, you know, you don't want to get in the habit unless there's a justification for it. Just like substituting words for things that make sense. You know? No, like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I just put that. And like I said, I haven't fully. I don't know if you know if I agree with that, but yeah. it, but somebody said like, you know, other Jewish outside of outside of scripture, like like the Mishnah and the Talmud, they always call the Torah water. So it's like okay, John's got to use a lot of water imagery. And I guess somebody was just like, what happens when you switch these? Hmm. And then it, if that was always like John the Baptist saying, I come with the law and the prophets, this other person comes with a new co- like the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And, and all these things, it's like uh, he's bringing in the new age. Yeah. So, and then the irony is that when the Holy Spirit does come on Pentecost, everyone's like, they're drunk on new wine. Which, yeah. You see, are you seeing the connection? Yeah. No, I okay. got you. Okay. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. I just wanted to clarify. It might not even be. But, I'm not. I'm not. No, you're right. To it. No, I'm I like just, it. Yeah. Um, and just the the only example I had, other than right now, where people are like swapping things out, it was like horrible. And I, when I was at a, a certain camp, um, one of my counselors, one of the devotions was to pick a part of the Bible and swap all the good words for evil words, and then so it was like. Every, the whole entire Bible? No, no. Like, oh, take, take like a passage. And I think he's, it was Corinthians, and I think it was the love chapter. And it was like swap out, you know, everything. Like do antonyms for all the good words. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, if that's what you, like, you know, the, the conclusion after everybody read ours was like, that's what the world has to offer. You don't want that. And it was like, that was like a dark way okay. to go about, like the whole world doesn't have a lot to offer. <laughs> and like, and I'm like twist. I'm, I'm like, it felt so awkward, like writing, rewriting mm-hmm. scripture with like bad words. So you had to put Satan for God. And, yeah. like, and I was like, ugh. This feels gross. Um, you can just summarize it in a sentence. But yeah, that's cool. I do like it. It seems to fit enough to where I'm comfortable talking about it, you know? Yeah, and like I said, that was just me seeing it and like working through it. Mm-hmm. But all the Joel prophecy, all the Joel references to the new wine, right? And then and then Peter says like this, these prophecies have been fulfilled now. The spirit has fell upon mm-hmm. and men will see visions. And, you know, and then they say like, oh, they're filled with new wine. They're, they're drunk off. Because it literally says they're drunk off new wine. Yeah. So it seems to be like you could have said wine. Yeah, you can. Know, like, <laughs> they're they're intentionally. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So when we had our our podcast with uh, Jen, right, and we were talking mm-hmm. through, yeah. we did the alcohol one. That was one of our shorter ones because it really came down to like, and I was trying to find ways to create discussion about it where it would be like it was basically like me trying to create conversation between two people that agreed really quickly on everything. And making them try to disagree. It's really hard to like find lengthy conversations to people who are mature about what the Bible has to say about alcohol. Like it really, there's not that much to talk about once you really like yeah. sum it up. It's like, don't be drunk. Don't sum your brother. Um, but it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and like there's, don't be drunk is not a light one. Mm-hmm. No, that's like, yeah. That's when you can get into the nitty gritty. Almost like, hundreds well, of admonitions against like yeah. what happens with like horrible Old Testament incest and like all yeah. these terrible mm-hmm. things that happen and then mm-hmm. Proverbs and um, you know Proverbs has like uh, dozens I would mm-hmm. say right of, mm-hmm. of Proverbs about you know the horrible things that happen uh, when you're drunk 
So, I mean, you summarize those two things, it, it kind of gets pretty straightforward. You may have like some nuanced things if you're a new believer and you're trying to like navigate your secular mm-hmm. environment. But like, I don't know. It just seems like a pretty heavy piece of contention for for not a lot of scriptural need for it. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. You're looking at me because I'm like processing what Proverbs is, is saying. That I, I think the biggest thing is if you think there's going to be a concern, it's just better to stay away from it. And like, if not, like, yeah, in moderation, don't get drunk. And like you said, don't let your brother stumble. I mean, yeah, outside of that, it's so like hard. you're just creating rules for other people yeah. to follow. Mm-hmm. When, if you're the leader of a church and you have a say in how the people who serve in your church live out their lives as a reflection of the church, I do think like there are certain times where like leadership, like, I do think a pastor has a right to create guidelines for people that serve uh, yeah. uh, in the church and at least strong suggestions. And I mean, I think that's healthy to have someone that you sit under and serve under give you guidelines. And it shouldn't feel like a punishment, like you'll be zapped kind of situation. But I think it's when people who are not in an authority relationship creating authority by leveraging rules over others, you know? Like if you're not in a ministry and you're telling people what to do all the time with gray areas, you're in a bad spot. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So anyway, for the alcohol one, we're living and learning too with all these things. Like when we first covered the alcohol one, like we probably could have covered it differently with this context, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like given more context for the scriptures and everything. And so we're maturing too with how we study and how we talk about these topics. And, you know, even two years in, we have like more nuanced opinions than we did when we first covered some things at the beginning. Which I think Which, is healthy. We should have nuanced opinions. It's just like a double-edged sword to have like all these recorded where people will say like, oh, I mean, we're starting from the beginning. I kind of want to be like, hey, you might want to like skip to like the, <laughs> some of the newer ones. We've, yeah. like, we've refined a little bit and yeah. <laughs> I feel like some of our... Which though I do, I will say that I do think there is some merit to watching growth happen. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like double. It's like good like, to watch, but no, there's seriously, like also it's like, don't yeah. listen to the first five. But like after that, <laughs> but it's like you gotta, you gotta, they gotta be committed to get to the growth. Yeah, you true. know what I mean? Because if you're judging off whatever one you're listening to, it's like I'm never listening to this again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the first episode of any series, first season. season of any yeah, series. first like season. don't watch the first season of Parks and Rec or The Office, or if you're Joe, don't watch any of the shows at all. Um, but like. That was a bad joke, but I'm just saying, like, if you're against, if you if you're against TV because you heard that episode, then don't watch anything. But if you if you're just talking about TV shows, the yeah, first season yeah. usually stinks, especially when you're innovating. Mm-hmm. Like when we started this, we had no idea. Like um, we, we just like we want to talk about the Bible with friends, and then we started getting more like kind of rules to discussion and more efficient ways to get it going. And you know, now we're studying John. That wasn't like our original vision for yeah. what we want to do on this podcast, but it's where God has led us. You know, what I think. And this is probably not a conversation for the podcast, but it's like what we talk about behind it is I think what people crave to hear is authenticity. I think that's why yeah. Neanderthals like Joe Rogan are so successful, right? He's not pretending to be anybody else and he's never changed who he is. Right. And, and like he- we want, you know, what we were wrestling through in the gossip episode was like, do we, when we hit play, if we act differently, we're not being authentic on the podcast. Do you know what I mean? Is either I, if we have to change well, our correct. tone and yes. change who we are while the podcast is playing in order to present what we want to present, then we are either not living godly when the podcast is off or not authentic right. when it's on. Right. Mm-hmm. And like creating that consistency has been uh, uh, something we really want to. You know, yeah, exactly. Because um, we're not like we're not a podcast that sells anything, but we are packaging something for other people to to mm-hmm. listen to. 
And I think it's important that we, you know, remain authentic. And it's a, it's a struggle. Uh, do we, every time we, we present something like this and present something like the gossip episode, it's like, okay, you know, we did hold each other accountable. Like I did, mm -hmm. I messed up like a week ago and I texted the other two guys in the group and I was like, hey guys, sorry for messing up with that in that yeah, area. Yeah. And I think that like that growth is what's, you know, trying to be all continuous and authentic through it each. Right. And that's like going mm -hmm. back to what we said about you, how you said like you like to bring in the application. It's like anything. Any, if we're not applying any of this, it's like we're literally wasting our time. It's a book club. Yeah. 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 So if we were to pull out, like I know we did it did a bunch of smaller applications, but like how mm -hmm. would you, I mean, my my giant application that I'm getting from all of this is still, I know this is repetitive, but the primary and secondary and how like our goal in life is to make Jesus primary. Mm -hmm. And like if anything, all these gray areas that we have that we're working through and trying to find ways to justify secondary issues in our lives like if you make Jesus the primary issue and the primary concern and you learn about him primarily from the Bible where you put him as the primary issue, then everything else kind of falls into place. So yeah, it's, like, it's like when you try to read the Bible with preconceived mm. notions and then you're like just applying scripture and wordings to, uh, to back up what you already believe mm. instead of going and reading it, trying to understand what it means and what it's saying and apply that to your life rather than the opposite way. I believe this and I, I live this way. Let me find this through the Bible. Yeah, I would say it this way. There's, there's, and and I, I agree. And we mentioned this for the alcohol one and episodes ago, but the question for grayers is always like, what can I, what can I, what's the question? Like uh, the good version is it like, how, do, how does this glorify God? Mm -hmm. What's the negative version of that that you can ask? Like, how, how close can I get to sin? Without, how close can I get to the sin? Yeah. And what can I do? And it's still acceptable. Yeah. Right. And I think one creates second focus on secondary issues, and one focus on primary. So if you're asking yourself, what can I do to glorify God and further the kingdom right now in this situation? Yeah. Then you are making God primary, and when you study the Bible, you'll be looking for the primary. Right. And mm -hmm. and you'll find Christ. Like what if you're talking about alcohol? Like what? How can I glorify God with alcohol and wine? You know, and then that really narrows down your your application for that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Bible. Okay, so what? How does God handle wine, and what does He teach me about His Son with wine? Mm -hmm. You know, I just think keeping the word. I know the word is so repetitive, but like keeping primary study, primary direction, and as Pastor Ed in you know his thing last week was just he said it like annoyingly repetitive, but like with a purpose was. Everything in the Bible, if your study is not pointing you to Jesus, if a commentary is not pointing you to Jesus, if your prayer life is not pointing you to Jesus, stop doing all of it, mm -hmm. you know, because it has to point to Jesus at all times. And the unified story that points to Jesus. Yeah, and even just looking at the wedding of Cana, it's like you can look at it two ways. You can look at it and and focus on was he was this real alcohol or was it not? Or you can focus on, wow, look at the divinity of Christ here that John clearly lays out perfectly. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, in looking at the wholeness of this feast and the wine and all of that, you get your answer. It is real wine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you get And then you get the, okay, so like Sophia always brought up in her episode, yeah. like, okay, what, why, why, why new wine? Yeah. What does wine mean? You know? Yeah. And now you're going back and you're going deeper and you're like, okay. Like, yeah. And it's interesting though, because you think, okay, why don't we focus on Jesus? I want to know about the wine. And then you focus on Jesus and you get your answers about the wine. Right, right, right. But that's not, it shouldn't be your first focus. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. Jesus is the answer for everything, mm -hmm. even in your study, which is cool. So I look forward to practicing this in the next few.
And another way to keep this podcast continuous is, is our young adults group that we have. We're going through these stories too. We're going through yeah, John right. over the next few weeks. So we'll be, you'll be, we'll be sick of John by the time we're done in a good way. Mm, no, I don't, I don't think no? so. I don't, he's the one I don't think I can get sick of. Whenever yeah. I'm finished studying a book exhaustively, I'm, I don't, I need a break from it no. for a while. No, I could go from, back and from, Jonah, from the I'll book or from the author. Uh, so, like, if you're done reading Ephesians, you're like, all right, I can't read anything from Paul for the rest of the. No, no, no. Like, I'll be like, I don't want to read Ephesians for a few months. Like, I, okay, I need, I need something new. So, yeah, I mean, by the end of the gospel, it's like, yeah, because we're going to like, uh, oh, go back and do it all over again. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I could read it like devotionally, but I'm not going to immediately start studying it again. Like, yeah, I'm saying if we, but if we got done John and we're like, all right, we're going to do Re- Revelation next, I'd be hyped because it's, no, but that it's still John. Me at all. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. just like the same. It's like reading the short, same yeah. short story, yeah, exhaustively multiple times in a row. Eventually, we get old. Not for Cole. No, no, no. I think I could. I think I could keep reading it. Okay. So you just don't With ever get bored in between. of one thing. No, 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 no. I, I'm sure I would add. Not I add stuff to the scripture. I'm saying like I'm sure I would add other reading to it, but it, it would just get more detailed each time. I feel like that. I don't. I don't so know. could you watch Finding Nemo like 90 times in a row and not get bored? Are you equating John to Finding Nemo? I feel this like he is. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's a really good movie? Ooh, Ooh. Um, that you could keep watching over and over. A Bronx again. Tale. Well, I've only, seen, I've only seen the one scene. Is that, that a you cartoon? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. no, no. It's not. Sorry, it's like a, it's like a. I feel so ashamed. Sorry, no, no, no. I just I wasn't expecting that. No, it's a mafia movie from like nineteen. I don't know the eighties when it came out. Maybe. Uh, one one that's rewatchable for me is is like the Iron Man one. I could rewatch it a bunch of times. Really? really? Yeah. The first one. Okay. Yeah, like when he gets out of the cage. I can't even remember it. Okay. It's when he builds it, the suit. Got it. Okay. I'll be honest. Uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Emperor's New Groove. Uh, that's and it's a, short, that is a great movie. And it's short. It's like 90 minutes. Hmm. Not even. I think it's like 70 minutes. That's a great movie. All because of what's his name, though? Yeah. Growing up, I, I Rush Hour was a big one. I watched those movies a bunch of times. Never seen it. The Jackie squeak, Chan and Chris. Squeak. Rock. Rock. No, Catan. No, not Catan. Uh, huh? Chris Kattan's this little white dude. Um, Chris, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Wait, no? Are you sure it's not no. Chris Rock? I think it's, it's Chris Rock. It's not Chris Rock. I've it's never not. seen the movie, so I don't even know. It's not. I actually, it's, yeah, I it's Chris Tucker. Know. It's fine. Okay. Anyway. I believe it. So I'm just saying, there's the, even those movies, I can't, like, but growing up, you, you'd have, like, the DVDs, the VHSs, you didn't have a lot of options. Like, so you had, you got used to rewatching things. Now I don't rewatch anything ever. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, John would take me a while to get through. Like, it's already taken us... I understand we're doing one episode a week right now, but we we've gone two weeks and gotten through two parts, uh, chapter one. So and, you're saying and a small it'll take part. so long? It would take so long to dive into each chapter. By the time I finish, you forget what I, I not that I, would, I would forget, but I would be it would be new enough to go back again. And I'm not saying like I'm just going to stick in one book. Like it's better to read the whole no, the whole saying. the whole Bible. But I feel like if I yeah. had to, I could. And especially and, John, out of like he said, all the gospels, it's my favorite. Mm. And there, I don't I don't know, there feel like there's just so many layers to it. So if you really liked Obadiah, could you read that? That's <sighs> mad short. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Two chapters. So Obadiah. for the record, for for the people listening for the we're not taking two years to go through John. We're no. focusing on the mm. seven. Yeah, a lot of things that make sense will combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now next week we're starting with the temple, but we might get through a couple smaller, mm-hmm. um, smaller stories that precede that because we definitely want to cover the seven signs, right? Cause we're, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then he's got the he's got the seven I am statements, which mm-hmm. are huge. Which I think we could maybe cover in one. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. You guys have been countered. All right.
Thank you so much for tuning into the Encounter podcast and being part of the Encounter community. We treat this podcast as a ministry. We pray for it. We pray for our listeners, and we pray that the guests and the information and the gospel that we share on this channel and this media platform are always and only glorifying to Christ and Christ alone. And while we do that, guys, our podcast sometimes spans one to three hours. So if you hear anything that you disagree with while we are speaking, which is highly likely, be Berean Christians, you have a few options. The first one would be to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. The second one would be to know that your and our authority should be and always be the scripture. So before you take anything at our word, please open the pages of your Bible, read them and find out what absolute truth looks like. Find it. And then the next step would be to reach out to us. And we would love to learn from our listeners um, as you are listening through a one-way communication to about our podcast. So please reach out to us with questions, concerns. We want to be held accountable. We want to have conversations. We want to see actual growth. But first, take a deep breath. Second, open your Bible. And three, give us a shout out. Have a blessed week.